This episode is proudly brought to you by RB Sellers, offering durable and functional workwear for men, women, and kids. RB Sellers is a family-owned Australian brand with family values and community at their core. I'm Caitlin Hewitt and this is From the Saddle. Graham Acton was a big dreamer, mover and a shaker. Nestled in the hills in the back of the beef capital of Australia, a multi-million dollar complex was built on Graham's patriotic passion and pride he possessed for the Australian cattle and horse industry. A little over eight kilometres off the Capricorn Highway, you're welcomed by the iconic heritage maroon and green fence and a sign that reads Paradise Lagoons. The sound of the grid under your tyres is almost dismissed as you take in the scenery of the lush paddocks, well-maintained fences and dirt road. Paradise Lagoons Camp Draft is celebrating 20 years. 20 years of bringing the industries together to showcase their strength, talent and potential. Everything that Graham Acton believed it could be. This year's event is set to kick off April 14, 2022. Throughout this episode, we catch up with some of the people that were all a part of it from the very beginning. From under the president's hat, Tom Acton reveals their excitement for the upcoming 20-year celebration at this year's Paradise Lagoons Camp Draft. Good morning, Tom. Thank you very much for joining us today. How are you? Yeah, good. Thanks, Caitlin. How are you going? Well, thank you, mate. You're getting to the pointy end of the deal at the moment. Paradise Lagoons 2022 is ahead of us and we'll be here in no time. Mate, how's things shaping up? You're currently the president? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, this is our 20th year with the camp draft for Paradise Lagoon. So we're all excited and it's fastly approaching. Like you say, it's uh, once you get over Christmas and that, it, and now we're into the start of March, obviously. So yeah, it's come around fairly quick. Not long to go now, only six weeks or inside. So yeah, everything's going along great, but the season's been kind to us here. We could do with a drop of rain now, but we've had a pretty good season back into last year, so things are looking good in that respect. I guess the COVID situation seems to be easing a bit as far as events go, so that's probably looking good for us. Uh, you can never predict the weather. There's been a lot of rain down south in the last week or so, so that, you know, there's a lot of People have been very unfortunate with the amount of flooding and that, which is going to have some sort of an effect, but um, hopefully they um, get through it good and they get the assistance they need. And uh, apart from that, everything everything up this way is looking very good, yeah. So, Tom, last year the event was scaled down slightly to cater for COVID, basically, because, you know, so much red tape was was on the event organisers. This year that seems to be relaxing a little bit. Do you think that that will add to the event this year, that, you know, people are looking for that classic Paradise Lagoons camp draft feel, the trade sites, the food vans, the competitors from interstate, the state of origin, all that? Yeah, definitely. I think it will, Caitlin. I, I think, uh, you know, as we've seen since Christmas, obviously, Tamworth, you know, the, the landmark sale was huge. I think people are just wanting to get out and, and enjoy those things they sort of probably haven't been able to for a while. So, yeah, I definitely think all things being equal, we'll, we'll have a really good showing, hopefully. And 
I think the food vans and the trade sites, those people are keen to get out and get going again too, you know. And yeah. So, yeah, I think from that aspect, I think it's all looking very, very positive, yeah. So, Tom, you first stepped in as president in 2016, is that right? Yeah, that's right, yes. Obviously, we didn't have the draft in 2014 and then Cameron McIntyre was vice president before that and then so he did the president role in 15 and then, yeah, I took over in 2016 and then we we didn't go in 2020, largely due to the drought and then the COVID, obviously. Yeah. So, Tom, 2016 was only two years after Graham Acton who you know, was your father, sadly did pass. Talk me through that year, mate. Was there, like, did you feel an immense sense of pressure to carry that through? Oh, not really. You know, um, the Paradise Lagoons camp draft was part of Dad's dream and, and his brother Evan, you know, for a long time. And I guess Dad sort of drove that. And I guess in a way we just feel that from our family's perspective and and, and the committee and just everyone that sort of gets behind the show, just, yep. you know, I think it's just a legacy that we feel obligated to fulfil, you know, and um, keep the dream alive, I guess. But, you know, the, the support you get from everyone, you can't do it on your own. So, yeah. but, you know, the all the volunteers and the sponsors and cattle donors and everyone it takes to run an event. Obviously, this is a little bit different to most because it's obviously private enterprise. But, you know, the support we get is just unbelievable. And, um, you know, Dad's big thing was, um, you know, trying to take camp drafting to the next level, trying to get the spectators involved, you know, yeah. with it. And uh, that was the big, the big push he had in designing this camp draft facility, you know, for further down the track, you know, when, when you're trying to get sponsors involved in these events, you know, you need to get them involved and everyone, spectators and, you know, the, the people from town all behind it, you know, to, to get that going. And that's probably what set Paradise apart from other camp drafts back at the start, you know. Yeah. But, yeah, no, we... um. We're very passionate about the cattle industry and the horse industry have been forever. So this is a unique sport to Australia. So yeah, we we just want to see it thrive, and and it's probably going as good as it ever has the horse industry at the moment. So Absolutely. it's good to see. Let's just touch on volunteers. You did mention that it, it does take. Well, let's say it takes an army because there's a lot of volunteers on the ground. There's you know, committee members, their supporters, their sponsors, but the, volu- oh, yeah. well, the volunteers turn camp up. Drafting, uh, w- that's, camp drafting started with volunteers. There was no money, you know, and everyone just did their bit and, and made it happen and, and that's still the case today. You know, you got lines clubs, you got people with water trucks and announcers give their time and mm. timekeepers in the RFDS and, and the rescue helicopter charity clubs. Yep. School community groups, you know, PNCs, like every weekend camp drafts are on and, and all those people just play a part in, in in helping that, you know, go. And that's without that, they just can't, cannot happen, you know. No, absolutely. You know, as a, as a committee of any scale, you always need that outside help and it's a way to give back to those groups um, and support them, I suppose, isn't it? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, you have to support support wherever you can and um 
like I say, that that's the backbone of camp drafting Australia-wide. You know, without that volunteer support, it's just impossible to um, to run. You know, like there is a lot more money getting into the camp drafting now, just that's the way it's going. And that's fine. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of people throwing a lot of money at camp drafts, but at the end of the day, we still need to be a family sport. We still need we still need it to be affordable on a few different levels yeah, so yep. everyone can enjoy it. Yep. So that's where we just need the support from sponsors and that so we can keep the cost of the competitor down. Yeah. So all the mum and dads and kids can all keep coming along and having fun, you know. And, it, and if there's other level above that where the competitors pay a lot of money to get a lot of prize money, well, that's fine. Yeah. But we still need to make sure we're looking after everyone. That's the biggest thing I see going forward. So as, you know, as a collective at Paradise Lagoons, I guess what you're saying is that it's really important to you guys as the organisers that you stay true to, to the camp drafting roots, I guess. Oh, yeah, definitely. And that's what I was, like. The main focus for us is we want to have a great event and we want to we want to be up there in the front with the prize money, you know. But yeah. But we want to cater for everyone and we want to make sure that we've got enough events that we do cater for everyone so everyone can be involved. That's our main focus, you know, on on keeping the event for everyone so everyone can come along and be involved, you know. Yeah. So, Tom, 2022, we welcome back State of Origin, trade sites, food vans, ladies' luncheon, live entertainment, you know, it's ticking all the boxes this year and, and I really, truly wish you and the committees a great success and um, we look forward to being on the grounds and, and helping you capture it anyway. Yeah, no, thank you. No, it's great. We're looking forward to it and um, like you say, it'll be round here very quick so we're just doing, there's always plenty to do, I guess, so we've got plenty to do the next while but, yeah, no, we're looking forward to Southern people getting back up here that haven't been for a while too. Obviously, yep. we got the national finals yes. the week after us. Yep. So there's going to be sort of eight or ten days of pretty solid drafting between the two events. And, um, no, it'll be good to have, have those southern people back again and, and people from everywhere back again to enjoy it. You know, it's funny, in 2019 when, you know, we attended Paradise Lagoon's camp draft, the the Southerners were there. And then fast forward to 2021, it was a very different dynamic without those guys. Yeah, I think it was just a bit of a timing thing, you know, obviously. And and, the, and like you said at the start, the COVID, COVID yep. it was, everyone was a bit of an unknown then. So, yep. and obviously too... Uh, in the last few years, there's been a few other camp drafts come on board and, and got pretty big and they're yeah. probably a little bit spoilt for choice now down yeah. there. Like there's probably five or six fairly big camp drafts they can go to fairly close now. So, mm. you know, uh, it's a fair travel up here every year. So so what are you hoping brings them back this year? Oh, I think just mainly, I guess, being the 20 years, you know. Yeah. Being a spectacle event and um, that sort of thing, I think, and just come and supporting us. A lot of people that were here right from the start, I reckon, will be coming back again. So, yeah, uh, we're looking forward to it. Well, Tom, we wish you well and we'll see you in a few weeks. Thank you very much. Thanks, Tom. Catch you later. From the saddle. From the saddle. 
You may have heard of our next guest, the winner of the very first Paradise Lagoons Open Camp Draft in 2003, Ben Hall. Thank you very much for joining us today. Mate, as the very first winner of the Paradise Lagoons Camp Draft, Open Camp Draft in 2003, Take us back to the facilities. We've just spoken with Cameron McIntyre about the original dream that Graham had. And and in 2003, the facilities that were there were second to none. Yeah, that's right. It was like yeah, nothing we'd ever seen before. We drove in there and and seen the setup, you know, like a kid in the candy store, really. Like you couldn't stop looking at stuff. And it was a phenomenal setup and it just got bigger and bigger. And every year he added something, something new and there was nothing else about like it. So do you think it shifted camp drafting in a way? Like that pull-in, plug-in kind of deal at Paradise in 2003, that's a game changer. Yeah, no, I think it did. It lifted the expectations of other camp drafts and everyone sort of wanted to build something like that or, Mm. you know, we're happy to go to it and and see it. Uh, You know, like people from Victoria and everywhere come up just to pretty much to see the setup. So, yeah, it, it lifted camp drafting to another level, yeah. So one thing that Cameron and Tom have both mentioned is that it was Graham's dream to, you know, really emphasise the spectator side of camp drafting and introduce camp drafting as a spectator sport. Do you think that actually came into play at Paradise and it really started to change the dynamic? It did there, mainly because what you could see, how he built it and what they could see camp drafting was, it made it. Like riding there, it um, had a lot of feel to it sort of thing. You know, it crowd sort of got behind it, you know, a good run and, yeah, it sort of made you, made you want to be there in the final sort of thing, yeah. Yeah. So you did win the very first open camp draft at Paradise Lagoons in 2003. Yep. Horse reliable. Did it feel prestigious, Ben, looking back? Yeah, it, it was like, you know, everyone thought Warwick was good at the time and and then we went there and just to set up, I think, and, and what they did for it and how they got it to run and got it got it run that year, especially because it was so wet and, um, you know, a few teething problems and everything and, and what they got done with it then, I think it, um, it was the one to win at the time sort of thing, yeah. Yeah. So it is no secret that there are Willinga Park, there's a lot of big drafts and facilities now around. But, mate, what takes you guys back to paradise? Probably, you know, Graham's dream was to make hand drafting bigger and better and to get, like, your spectators and more people into it. Um, I think that's pretty much why you go back there, it, just for what he's what he done for the sport, I think, and, and what Evan and Tom and Cameron are trying to do now, I think. How do you reckon 2022 is going to shape up? It's, you know, on the lead up to the the finals, tail end of COVID lockdowns and restrictions, what do you reckon 2022 will be like? I think it'll be big. You know, everywhere, everyone's wanting to go somewhere and I think Cameron and Tommy and Evan and, that, uh, and Jason Silpin are all trying to get it up and back to where it was one of the ones to go to, I think. So, yeah, I think, well, I know a lot of people from the South are, you know, interested in coming up and, and doing that and then going to the finals and then sort of doing that little circuit and going home. So, yeah, I think they'll get plenty of entries this year and, and uh, hopefully get them going again. Mate, camp drafting is anyone's game. 
it would be impossible to say, Ben Hall, if you were a betting man, who, who have you got your money on? Because, yeah, goodness me, there's a lot of fierce competition there every year, isn't there? That's for sure, yeah. Yeah, like I say, there's a lot of good horses, a lot of good competitors at the moment, and, yeah, everyone's good on their day. You know, I just, yeah, everyone hopes it's their day when we go there. Mate, the horses, how much has changed since 2003? Oh, it got nearer. <laughs> <laughs> it got nearer. Holy dooly. Uh, a lot more money about for them and everything, but I think, um, yeah, it's just got bigger with the sport. Probably a lot of good, a lot of good horses about, and mm. um, people putting more time, more money, and more time, I guess, into them, and that's sort of showing up on the weekend when you go somewhere. Yeah, it's a fierce industry at the moment, isn't it? Yes, for sure. Thank you, Ben. I do appreciate you taking the time to talk to me, and we look forward to doing a full interview with you one day. No worries, Kevin. <laughs> Thanks, mate. <laughs> See ya. From the saddle. Joining us next is Cameron McIntyre to reflect back on the initial moment when Graham shared his Paradise Lagoons vision and how the event has evolved over the 20 years. Cameron McIntyre, thank you very much for joining me. Cameron, you were a part of the original Dream and the founding committee. Can you take me back and and give me an insight to where it all began and Graham's big idea? Yeah, morning, Caitlin. Uh, It's a fair few years ago now, but... uh Graham started to pester me about going on to the Beef Committee for the Beef 2000, so it must have been back in 98, something like that. And uh, he had the knack of sort of getting mates around and he picked a good group of people, I think they were, and we formed the Beef Australia Committee and ran the event in 2000 because they were in financial strife. Uh, At the beef thing, at the conclusion of it, Graham had this vision that we'd run a campcraft I can remember on the we had the, the ball down at Ridges on the first night, Thursday night, and then we went all day Friday and Friday night getting set up, and then the draft, and we ran a successful draft at the showgrounds in Rockhampton. And from that, Graham decided, I can remember him taking me out to Paradise Lagoons one day, and he said, how about we build an arena here? And uh, we sort of looked, and he said, the one thing I want to do, or we need, he always included the committee or mates he had around him in any decision he ever made. Uh, and he just said, we need to make this a spectator sport. He said, it's a great sport, it's Australian, and currently it's very hard for the bulk of the people to get a look what that's going on in the draft. So out of those, that statement and round of whatever he proposed, he uh, called in favours and he bought a, a big tent from somewhere and went over and power poles and I'm not, sure that this was a, the order which it ran in, but by the time the 2003 came round, there was a big complex there that everyone was really surprised what it was all white paint and green paint and set out and a, a good camp and lots of cement around the place and a big high announcer's box. And I used to say to him, that tree will have to go, Graham. He said, the tree's not going, but that's about the only argument I ever won with you because <laughs> the tree did go. But uh, it, the first year was just a, a big success. And, of course, after that, every year he'd come up, he'd come up with another idea and and he used to try and sort of keep it to himself. The next thing he'd hear about, how about we do this? <laughs> so, Cameron, 2003, what did the facility look like at the very first event? Well, in that period, Graham had built a 
a big uh, new type of camp which had cement walls. He built a catering block, kitchen round, whatever. And as you can imagine, they're all beautifully set up. There was a playground for children at the back of the camp. He had good viewing seats for the camp and grandstands outside so people could actually sit and view the sport. He had a nice big shed down the back for all the stables and the judges' horses and built a big cattle handling facility so all the cattle could be trucked in and out. And, uh, yeah, everything was first class. If you pictured it, there was a big round yard, wash bays, and, of course, the toilet amenities. He said, we've got to build proper showers and toilets and full-size showers and and nicely set up and women's toilets and just everything was done first class and it, it looked like a, a really luxurious type of place to go for a draft. And in those days, all the, you know, the rows of waters for the people, the horses and the powers laid on and it was really a luxurious type of event compared to what people had been used to then. So let's touch on the spectators. Speaking with Tom earlier this week about this event, he he was saying how... It was really important to Graham that the spectating side of the sport was emphasised and introduced. It encouraged people to sit and watch and enjoy it and learn about it and discover it. Would you agree? For sure. Graham was uh, very proud of Australia and to be an Australian. And uh, I mean, that was proved by the effort he went to with many things he did, including the Stockman's Hall of Fame that he became a director on. But he, he felt that Australian stock horses needed to be promoted more in the, and, and the sport of camp grafting needed to be promoted more and the best way to do all that was to have the, the general public to be able to sit and view it and, and enjoy it and see such a great sport and, and the animals we had involved and he took a great deal of pride in the cattle he presented uh, down to bang tailing all the cattle and they had to be clean and such and such and it was a spectacle that we needed to present to the general public. And that was the, one of the main drivers behind anything he did when it came to camp drafting. Sadly, 2014, Graham was tragically killed in an accident. Paradise Lagoons didn't happen in 2014. But in 2015, you took on the presidency role. What was that event like? Yeah, it was, we lost a great mate in 2014. and. Graham had that knack of sort of gathering people around him and he had some really good friends. But out of that event, we just felt we had to keep it going for the family and the sport and ending Graham's name. And uh, if you're there and you're as closely involved with Graham and, and you sort of kept seeing him wherever he went, you could hear him giving orders and directing you about. So from my point of view, I always was second in charge to him. We never had elections, but I was always just vice president and he was president. And uh, I could sort of hear him directing me around and what to do. And, and it was a neary sort of a feeling because he wasn't there. Mm. But it was still a good event and it was well supported and it was good camp drafting. And Graham would have been proud of the way the event went, I'm sure of that. Graham was known to be larger than life and big ideas and dream big and if he wanted to do something, he'd do it. Over time, how, Cameron, have you seen the event evolve and, and take place? Because like you said, it's, you know, 
everyone around you felt obligated to keep Graham's dream alive. Sadly, Graham's no longer here. So I guess it kind of shifts from Graham's dream to um, Graham's memory almost. Yes, but he was such an instigator and a pioneer with what he did with Paradise. And I remember Terry Snow, who's now the runs that massive campcraft outside. Yeah, Willinga. Yeah, he came up and I remember meeting him up there and no doubt that would have made an impression on him and it, it, and anything that Graham did and then the way he went on to grow up the th- from one ring to two rings to three rings and then the state of origin and the presentation of the acts there and entertainment. and I think Warwick's always, we never tried to compete with Warwick because it's been the, Warwick's Warwick and it's the original draft around or whatever, but I even think that some of the things they've sharpened their act up as a result of Paradise and been other events. Uh, of course, Graham got involved with running the one at Longreach and then we lost him. But the other thing that probably people don't realise is we actually went down to Lang Park or Suncorp Stadium and met with the people down there on a couple of occasions and we had this... Uh, well, we're underway to running a draft down there. We picked it all out and we worked out how we could uh, bring in plywood and cover the ground and they were agreeable to have it there and we'd have to cart in so much sand and cart it out and how we could get the B-doubles in underneath where the trucks came in. But that was all possible because they had B-doubles in there to set up, I remember, for the Robbie Williams concert and, and cranes and so on. And uh, just to Graham, it was just achievable and... Because he was so enthusiastic and that we just had to go along. We didn't get much choice and we believed it had happened <laughs> to pick it, that type of person. And uh, at times he'd have to point out this might and that night and he'd say we'd get over it. But I think his legacy is that he saw how great a sport it was and one thing runs into the other. But even the prices that are getting paid for these the stock horses today, or I shouldn't, for the campcraft horses and the size of the prize money and the growth of the the sport, they've all got to have a, a genesis somewhere and he certainly contributed to that. So perhaps Paradise and, and Graham in a way made people sort of sit up and go, you know, this could be an amazing industry and, and we can make something spectacular out of this. Without a doubt. Like he was a pioneer when it came to producing a, a spectacle. I used to say he was like Barnum Brothers with the Three Ring Circus and <laughs> that's what he... He was like, and uh, he was such an amiable and generous person and just loved to mix and see. And he treated, uh, if he met the Queen, he'd, he'd treat her the same as if he met, you know, just a young person around. He had the knack of talking to people and involving them. And uh, we'd have a staff meeting or with the people going to help on that before Paradise, and they'd all get a, a good talking to them that they're to represent Acton land and cattle, but they're also there to represent the sport of campcrafting and they weren't to be getting around with their shirts not tucked in and, you know, it, yeah. it, it was all about presentation. And pride. And pride and the public was there to watch it. Cameron, as a founding committee member and as a part of the original dream, what would you like to see Paradise evolve into over time? Well, it takes a, a, a lot of passion and 12 months' work to, to produce what Graham wanted to, and it was a, a lifelong passion. And I think that it, it's probably dropped down a notch or two from that, but, but they've got great cattle. The cattle the last few years have been good cattle. The facilities are second to none, and uh, 
I think if they run a good three-day grass there, it'll remain on the calendars of, of all the competitors. It's something that brings people to Rockhampton, whether they want to go three or four or whatever. I hope it stays, and I think it will, through Tom's efforts and his friends and, and uh, the support of his family and so on, and, and Evan and Kim are uh, involved as well. I think it can remain a premier of campcraft, and I'd like to see it as such. Well, Cameron, thank you very much for joining us today, and uh, we look forward to, I guess, catching up at the 2022 event. Thanks very much, Caitlin. From the saddle. From, from the saddle. Max Shan, thank you very much for joining us today. Mate, as a long-time competitor and previous winner of the Paradise Lagoons Camp Draft, I'd love to hear your scope on the event as an overall supporter and obviously as a winner. Oh, thanks, Caitlin. Yeah, look, Paradise for Gail and I is uh, definitely a, a, you know, a once-a-year getaway, catch up with all our friends from all over the state and get to spend some time at one of the best complexes that have ever been built for camp drafting. To see the Acton family and Graham's dream big mentality with Paradise, it was incredible, you know. Like, they set the, the bar in so many aspects, you know. Like, we turned up there and the first year we just were gobsmacked with the setup and the camping area, you know, water and power to every site and all set up beautifully and, and, you know, parked us up in beautiful rows. And then, you know, a few years down the track, we saw pretty much Camp Draft Central be built from Graham's idea of, oh, I want everyone to nominate online. And there we had it, you know, um, between Claycini and Graham, Camp Draft Central was born, you know. Yeah, we spoke with Cameron McIntyre, who was a part of the original Dream. And, and Cameron, you know, touched on... Graham's initial conversation they had together, you know, where you're standing, I want an arena built here, to then standing at the very complex that everyone comes together every year to compete at. But it is about, I guess, collectively coming together as an industry to celebrate and acknowledge everything that it's for. And you're right, it did set the benchmark for camp drafts from that point on. Like you said, that pull-in, plug-in was a game-changer. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it, it made everyone feel warm and fuzzy, I think. You know, like you said, the industry, you turn up there and see the dollars that have been put into that and then the dollars that are parked up around the arena with the trucks and whatnot and you think, yeah, well, the cattle job's going okay. Mm. And, yet, you know, whether it be drought or flood or whatever, we always seem to keep rocking up there and they kept turning up with cattle and it's – you know, unfortunately, Paradise is sort of end of the road for so many. Um, I think Graham had a dream that there'd be a massive big feedlot close handy there that he'd supply the yeah. draft with. And, and that's been probably the biggest drawback is trying to find cattle in that neck of the woods without having a big turnaround on them to be trucked home, you know? Yeah, because they are carted from quite a long way these days. Yeah, for sure. No, unfortunately, the council, I think, stomped on his feedlot idea and hopefully that's something down the track. We might see a big feedlot built somewhere close by that they might be able to source just a consistent line of cattle that don't have to be travelled so far would be excellent for competitors, donors, everyone, you know. Mac, do you think it started, I guess, to inflate the horse industry a little bit? as in, you know, the prices of the horses that they're going for now and just, I guess, did it bring a sense of pride into the horse industry? 
I think so. And I think, you know, it was probably an inevitable change and Australia caught up with the American job a little bit, I suppose. You know, there became a strong sense of pride in what we were breeding and lots of new bloodlines came in and, and all of a sudden we had this magnificent venue and, you know, Graham, we brought such a huge um, array of sponsors and everything into the job that it it really did become like a giant sort of a field day where the best horses being presented. There were sponsors from all over, different walks of life turning up there, and it definitely has gone off with a bang, that's for sure. Mac, let's touch on your winnings, 2016. Yeah, so Porter won the Super Beef in 2016. Um Always nice when a horse that you bloody admire and have so much respect for gets up and wins one of the big ones. I was bridesmaid a fair few times there before that and <laughs> eventually won one, so that was a great relief. And so, yeah, it was, um, it's always more than happy to win anything at Paradise or even get a ribbon, that's for sure. But, mate, 2019 was your year. Yeah, so 2019 obviously <laughs> went off fairly well. I think we only did five drafts of the year and it, um, yeah, being a bit fresher definitely helped. I think it was certainly went down there with no real ambition as per usual, just sort of rocked up and the Hughes family sent some excellent wagyus down for the second round and final and, and I was lucky enough to get a fair few good ones of them and uh, big thanks to my brother, Barry, who seems to be able to pick those wagyus. I don't think <laughs> I know what I'm looking at when I see a mob of wagyus, but yeah, for Gail and I to probably end up with two wins down there was certainly a huge milestone and you know made both of us feel warm and fuzzy I suppose we've put a lot of time and effort and bought horses that we thought were the right ones and put a fair bit of time into training them and getting them right and to see both those horses come through sort of as they've matured it was certainly a bloody happy day that's for sure. So Mac which horses did you win on in 2019? Yeah, so Porter won the uh, the Super Beef and a mare called Kid and Glow won the Acton. Yeah. I think they call the Super Beef Morton Co. now. So, yeah, and to have, you know, I think in both drafts I had Pete O'Neill second and Pete Comiskey and Rowan Marks, you know, the, the three guys below me. So it wasn't as big a paradise as there's been, but to have those three guys below you certainly makes you feel like you've had a good day at the office. Well, we were talking to Ben Hall earlier and I said, mate, if you were a betting man, I said, however, camp drafting is anyone's sport. You know, there's a lot of fierce competition that come to the event. It is impossible to say who's going to walk away as winners. Yeah, that's right. I mean, there's, you know, the, the first rounds that we run into at Paradise sometimes, you know, they put such a big line of cattle together, so it's very difficult to do that. And sometimes they can be some tough patches through it, but mm. I find Paradise is one of those places you really need to go down there, just 100% confident. You know, it's a good big arena. You can handle cattle fairly well and just go in there being confident and, you know, just tell yourself you're going to put a cow around. I think sometimes people sort of get a bit worried in that big spectacle and sort of hope they're going to get a dream cow or something, but it's, it's no different than any other camp draft. You've got to go in there and do your best and make sure you get it done, you know. And it always seems to be extremely safe for competitors and horses. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the ground, gee whiz, I can hardly think of many falls there at all. And like I said, it's a beautifully shaped arena and the cutouts are all really good. I mean, I absolutely love that main arena at Paradise. If um, 
I might slightly lend myself to a bit of favouritism and say I love Mount Coolon the best, but that Paradise Arena to me is one of the best. Yeah. So, Mac, 2022, what do you reckon is going to shape up for this year? We're on the back foot of COVID restrictions. It's literally headbutting the ACA finals. What do you reckon it will be like? Yeah, look, it's it's one of those things. I I don't delve into the COVID thing a whole lot, to be honest, but it, it tends to just make everyone's head spin as yeah. soon as you start trying to run an event. So hopefully there might be a few less restrictions by the time we get there. It's all obviously outdoors and yeah. open air, so hopefully there's a bit of common sense prevails, but I'm sure the Acton crew will have another good line of cattle and I'm sure a big swag of us will turn up there on our way to the national finals and that'll be fun had by all. Yeah, we are excited to be heading there and, and just, I guess, feeling the vibe this year compared to, you know, 2021 um, and, and previous years. Yeah, that's right. It's been very difficult times, hasn't it, whichever mm. walk of life you're in and it's it's always nice to be able to get away and have a break and catch up with some friends and family, everything at the draft. Unfortunately, the world's in a fair bit of turmoil just at the present with all the floods and wars and whatnot, but at least our lives seem to be kept a little bit simpler, which is nice. Yeah, and it's almost like a little escape, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely, and it's um, nice to be able to go and escape to somewhere that presents you with turfed lawns to lie on and watch yeah. drafting. It's not bad. Yeah, no, but there's worse places we could be. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Mac. I do appreciate your time today and uh, hopefully we'll see you at Paradise. Not a problem. Catch up with you there. Thanks, Mac. See you. Bye. Well, we hope you enjoyed listening to this episode as our guests recapped what Paradise Lagoons Camp Draft is all about and where the dream became reality. We're looking forward to being at this year's event, discovering a little more about the legacy and recording some of tomorrow's history. This episode is proudly brought to you by RB Sellers.